mind back. Oh, it's a miracle. How many of y'all didn't? Okay, all right. Well, some of y'all hadn't because we gave away 70 tonight, so somebody didn't bring them back. Uh, uh, but if you did not get an outline, they're printing some more. Uh, they're printing some more as I speak, uh, so uh, they will be here momentarily. So I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I had uh, uh, I had no faith, I reckon. I don't know what I had, but I didn't print enough, yeah, that, but they'll bring them in in a minute. Isn't it good to be saved? It's good to be saved. It's good to know the Lord. Uh, it's good to be around God's people. It's good to have a building that's heated. Uh, it's good to have uh, an opportunity to share truth and share the Word of God. Uh, you know, you need to really, you need to really, really understand when you come to the house of God that God's going to give you something you need. And I, I don't think I don't think we get that. I don't I don't think we understand that like we need to understand that. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of times uh, church becomes a, a routine. Church becomes an activity that you know we're supposed to do because we're Christians, and and that's what you do. You go and you go to church and you sit and listen to the preacher talk a little while, and 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 it might be we're thinking of I wonder what Logan's has got on special this week uh, or what, and and we just go through the routine. And we forget that we're coming uh, so God can give us something we need. And you say, why are you saying all that? Because this Sunday, God gave us a word to tell us that we're going to face things that we can't go through alone. There's going to be times in our life when, when, when it's going to be so bad and so difficult, we're going to need somebody to come up under us and help us together. And we're going to face trials that we can't get through alone. Boy, didn't we? Just a tragedy taking place this week, and, 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 and man, it just brought to my mind how much, I wonder how much God was trying to tell us something. And, and I know everybody's not affected by this. Everybody probably uh, is not aware of, of, of all the situations and all of that. But next Sunday may be your day. And, and when we come, when we come, let's say, Lord, Give me what I need. Give me what I need. I found this out that I, I usually find when I'm looking. And I usually receive when I'm anticipating something. And if we're anticipating something from God, we'll usually get something. Amen? And you say, well, that topic might not be for me. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. Because God has the ability, the supernatural ability to take one thing coming out of my mouth and splitting up to 500 different issues that we all need. Amen? amen. Church, say amen. amen. All right. Who needs a lesson? Raise your hand real high. We've got folks all around the building, all the way in the back, all the way in the back. Raise them real high, and they'll, they'll get them out real quickly. All right. Everybody else, everybody all the way in the back there, Brother Josh, in the middle. There you go. All right. First Peter chapter number 2. In verse number 1. Now, if you remember last week, we went up into chapter 1 and, and started in verse 22, but I'm not going to do that to save some time. Let's look in verse, chapter number uh, 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming, this is talking about the Lord, to whom coming as unto a living stone, 
disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye, now he's talking about you, the church, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye... Talking about the church again. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time, that right there will preach, ladies and gentlemen, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, uh, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the folks that have come out tonight. Thank you for an opportunity to, to, to read your word and study your word. And uh, Lord, thank you for the grace that, that I have witnessed in the last few days and uh, the mercy and the peace that, that passeth all understanding. Lord, that I, ha I, have, I have been a eyewitness to uh, thank you for your strength and, and, and the ability to run to you uh, when we have nowhere else to go, when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to say. Lord, we can run to our refuge and strength. Lord, that very present help in the time of trouble. God, I pray your will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I see some new faces tonight, so let me, uh, let me briefly bring you up to speed on where we're at in 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter is a letter written to uh, people, Christians, uh, God's people going through very, very trying times, very difficult times, fiery trials, Peter says. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Uh, they were going through difficulty, the, the, the Roman government, the Roman Caesars, uh, uh, just atrocities like you could not imagine. And he's trying to encourage the church. He's trying to encourage Christians. He's trying to lift them up and edify them. And uh, so uh, in the beginning in chapter number one, we find he begins to deal with the subject of hope and, and telling us about our hope and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And when all hell breaks loose, we have hope. When, when it seems hopeless, there is hope. When it seems like there's no other way, there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And and I'm glad to know when we face the valley, when we face the storm, when we go through that dark time in our life, we do have hope. I may uh, go through the valley, but I'm doing just that. I'm going through it. I didn't come here to stay. I didn't come here to camp out. I came to go through. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Somebody say amen. Listen, we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, he began to tell us about holiness. 
Holiness, this is not a subject that's popular in today's church. This is not a subject that people want to deal with. Uh, we, we, we have a generation of people who are lukewarm. They're in the Laodicean church age who, who wants to not be in, but they don't want to be out. They want a ticket to heaven, but they want to live like hell. I need a witness. And, and we don't want to talk about holy living. We don't want to talk about holy dress. We don't want to talk about holy conversation. We don't want to talk about holy behavior. But, but Paul, or excuse me, Peter emphasizes the need for holiness, old-fashioned Bible holiness, because without holiness we shall not have the presence of God in our life. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I don't know about you, but I cannot make it without him. There's no way in this world. I've watched people go through the most traumatic situation you could ever imagine in the last few days, and there's no way in this world that I saw what I saw without the touch of God in their lives. We cannot have what we need without God we have to have the presence of God and you will not have the touch of God and the presence of God if we're walking in darkness darkness and light cannot coexist are y'all with me say amen then I want you to see uh, he deals with the subject of harmony that's where we started last week and we began it and didn't get finished so we'll finish tonight harmony harmony not not hope uh, we need hope in dark times. We need, we need holiness in dark times because without holiness, we will not have the presence of God. We need God on our side. Are y'all with me? But, but harmony, harmony brings each other together. We said last week, we not only need God in the storm, but we need each other in the storm. I can't help but I can't help but just reflect on the on the last few days and and not only did I see the presence of God and the grace of God and the in the mercy of God and, and the peace of God, but I saw Christians banding together. I saw Christians showing love. I saw Christians putting arms around each other and holding each other up. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we need harmony in the church. We need each other. We cannot make it alone. There's no such thing as long ranger Christianity. God does not expect you to go alone. God does not want you to go alone. We need each other. We need each other. And Peter begins to, he begins to emphasize who we are and how, how if we know who we are, we know how we should treat each other. And he gives four different descriptions, four different visual pictures, if you will, visual illustrations of, 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 of who we are in Christ, who we are as the body of Christ, who we are as the church. I know there's a bunch of different splinters, and I know there's a bunch of different denominations. I know, I, I don't even know how many different denominations. I, I don't even know how many different Baptists there are. Uh, I, I, I was researching last week, and I come up with about 53 that I could find just Baptists. Are y'all with me? And so uh, we see all of that, but you know what God sees? One church. One church. He sees one church. One, one body of Christ. He sees us, and he desires us to have unity. He desires us to have unity. So with that being said, last week we began with point number one. If you're looking at your notes, point number one. Uh, we, said, we said that we are in the same family. Say that with me. We are in the same family 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 we are children in the same family we talked about our arrival we talked if you want to just take notes right here just write this down I'm not going to deal with it because we preached it last week get the DVD say amen 
our arrival. That's our salvation experience. Uh, in order to get into a family, you got to arrive, amen? And it's talking about our, our birth, our new birth, uh, our arrival. But then be our affection. Every, every family should have love in it. Would you all agree with that? Every family should have love in it. It should be surrounded by love. It should be filtered through love. Uh, it's a spiritual love. It's a sincere love. It's a striving love. Uh, I'm glad it's a supported love. I'm glad to know when there's unlovable people, God will give us the ability to love them. Amen? And before we think everybody else is unlovable, we might be the unlovable one. Amen? God will give us the ability to show love because it will be his love that he puts in us. What does 1 John say? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Amen? God will give us the ability to share that love. Now, then we talked, see, we talked about our appetite. Our appetite and how important it is that we should desire the sincere milk of the word. I'm glad this Bible is so, so awesome. I love that word, awesome. It is an awesome book because you can take the same book and you can feed baby Christians with it. And they can digest the milk of the word. But you can take this same book and you can set up table with seasoned Christians. And you can give them meat to chew on. that will take them a while. Are y'all with me? Awesome book that we have. But we should have an appetite for spiritual things. Now, let me say this. I've heard, I've heard pre preachers say this. And I may have said it because somebody else said it. And when you're a young preacher, you usually say what everybody else says until you know better. Uh, which is not a good thing. You, you need to know what the book says. Regardless of what everybody else says, know what the book says. I've heard preachers say uh, uh, this here. Uh, if, you don't have a, if you don't have an appetite for the word of God, then you're not saved. Well, that's stupid. That's not, that's not biblical. I don't, I don't believe in that. Uh, it, 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 the Bible is saying here, you are to desire it. There will be times in your life, there will be times in your life when you filled up your life with so much junk food, you won't have an appetite for the right food. Are y'all with me? Stuff we watch on TV, uh, stuff we see on Facebook, stuff we see on the internet, stuff we hear on the radio, uh, conversation at the club, conversation at the beauty parlor, conversation at the, at whatever we filter in our head, we can get so much junk of this world that we won't have an appetite for spiritual things. And I believe sometimes we need to go on a fast of worldly things. So that we can re reinvigorate the, the, the desire for spiritual things. Because I promise you this, if you ever start digging in the word and start feeding on the word and, and getting that word in you, I promise you, you will, you will develop an appetite for it. Amen? Amen. Listen, we are children in the same family. We have to get along. We're in the same family. We have to love each other. We're in the same family. Are y'all with me? We have the same appetite. Then we talked about attitude. We talked about attitude last week. Uh, our attitude, he says in verse number one, lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. Uh, we need to have the right attitude. Let me read that because I, I went real in a very much hurry there because I run out of time. Let me read that and we'll jump to point number two. Peter warned his readers to lay aside certain wrong attitudes of heart. Malice, which means wickedness in general. Guile is craftiness, using devious words and actions to get what we want. Uh, uh, basically, manipulation. Of course, 
If we are guilty of malice and guile, we will try to hide it. That produces hypocrisy. Often the cause of ill will is envy. Now this is really important. One result of envy is evil speaking. What is envy? You envy what somebody else has. You envy what somebody else knows. You envy what somebody else does. Uh, uh, Vance Habner, Dr. Vance Habner, an old man of God, he said, if you want people to talk about you, have more, know more, or do more, and people will talk about you. You do one of them three, and people will talk about you. And what is that? Envy. What is a result? What does envy produce? Evil speaking. You, if you, and by the way, if you hear somebody talking evil of somebody, you can rest assured they probably are envious of something they have or do. So don't get caught up in all that. Don't get caught up in that. And if you are being talked about, just say, "Woo! they want to be me. Y'all with me? Don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get frustrated. Don't get, don't get, they're talking about me. Just rejoice in the fact that they wish they tied your shoes this morning. Amen? Listen, uh, evil speaking, conversation that tears the other person down. If these attitudes and actions are in our lives, we will lose our appetite for the pure word of God. If we stop feeding on the word, we stop growing. Say that with me. If we stop feeding on the word, we stop growing. Say it with me. If we stop feeding on the word, we stop growing. And let me say this. When you stop growing, you start dying. You start dying. When Christians are growing in the word, I love this. Now, what are we talking about? The ultimate, the ultimate subject of this lesson is harmony, unity in the church, getting along. Watch this. When Christians are growing in the word, they are, come on now, they are, and not troublemakers, but they promote the unity of the church. You know, I've never found anybody that's always starting junk to be Bible scholars. I've, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't found anybody that's always trying to start something, always involved in something, always got a problem, always offended, always got an issue. You remember what we preached a, a couple weeks ago? Uh, Great peace have they which love thy law, and and nothing shall offend them. What's the problem with all these squabbling churches? They need to dig in the book. Amen. I said it. Amen. Let's get in the Word. If you're constantly being offended, uh, you need to back away from everything. Get your Bible and dive into it. And I promise you, your thin or your skin will get a whole lot thicker. Amen? Amen. I'll say it for me. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Number two. Number two. Now are we all together. Now we're all together. Everybody's called up. Those who wasn't here last week were all called up. Number two. Number two, first he described the church as uh, we're, 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 we're children in the same family. Now he describes it this way. We are stones in the same building. We are stones in the same building. Look what it says in verse number four. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house 
You are built up a spiritual house, a, excuse me, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Then he goes into detail to talk about Jesus, and it's really important. I wonder why that was so important if he's really talking about the church and the harmony of the church, but you'll see why. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believeth, he's precious. But unto them which be disobedient, uh, the, the stone which the builders disallowed. And that's talking about his rejection when he came into the Jews. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Uh, he was rejected. He was the Messiah. He was the planned Messiah uh, uh, for, the, for the, 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 the nation of Israel. He was the Savior, and they rejected him. They rejected him. He was the one God had planned. He was the chief cornerstone a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get out of this particular deal. First, I want you to see our cornerstone. We're talking about a building now, remember? Here's the illustration. Here's the picture. We, the church, are a building. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. He's building a building. You are materials in the building. You are uh, pieces of the building. You are a stone in the building. But before the building can go up, they start with the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. In other words, everything starts from there. Everything starts from there. And you say, why is that so important when it comes to harmony? Let, let's, let's read a verse. Let's read a verse. Uh, the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Our cornerstone, it starts with Jesus. Everything starts with with Jesus. Uh, unity has to have a common denominator. We are unified around something. Uh, we are brought together by something, and that something is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our unity is based on Jesus Christ. Our unity is not based on dress standards. Our unity is not based on musical preferences. Our mu Listen, our unity is based on the chief cornerstone, on Jesus Christ. Hey, we can agree on Jesus but disagree on music. We can agree on Jesus and not agree on many other things. Uh, if, if, you make, if you make issues that are non-issues your issue, you got an issue. Are y'all with me? We need to keep Jesus the reason. We need to keep Jesus center stage. We need to keep Jesus the cornerstone. Start with Jesus. Don't give me your preferences. Don't give me your opinions. Don't give me your theories. Don't give me what you think. Give me Jesus. Let's start there. Let's begin with Jesus. Let's begin with him. He's the chief cornerstone. Now, in this, in this, uh, in this term, in this description of the church, the body of Christ, he says Jesus is the corner. We start with Jesus and we go from there. He is the first stone that is laid. He is the foundation. He is center stage. We go from there. Now, B, I want you to write this down. We not only see our cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, but we see our connection. Write that word down. Our connection. In his first mention of the church, Jesus compared it to a building. I will build my church. 
uh, believers are living stones in his building. Each time, in other words, just use yourself like a brick or a block in the building. You are an individual block that's tied together to form one building. Each time someone trusts Christ, another stone is quarried out of the pit of sin and cemented by grace into the building. Say amen right there. Peter wrote this letter to believers living in five different provinces. Yet he said that they all belong to one spiritual house. There is a unity of God's people that transcends all local and individual assemblies and fellowships. We belong to each other because we belong to Christ. We must not, and I underline this for a reason, I underline this for a reason, this is, I put emphasis on this, we must not permit our differences to destroy the spiritual unity we have in Christ. We ought to be mature enough to disagree without in any sense becoming disagreeable. What does that mean? It means you can have standards, but you don't have to be a jerk about it. Amen? We're in the same family. We're connected. Whether you like it or not, whether you like my musical preference or not, whether you like my dress style or not, if you're saved, you're a part of me. And I'm a part of you. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to be able to understand we're not always going to be 100% identical and on the same page and in total agreement. It's not going to happen. Let me tell you why there's about 5 million churches in America with about 30 people. They don't get that. You got to comb your hair the, the way they say it. You got to cut it the length they say it. You got to have everything just right. And by the way, them 30 don't even get along. They're just tired of moving their membership. Am I right? What, what, about, what about where we should draw the line? All right. Look what the Bible says. Romans 14, 1 through 5. He is, he is dealing with people and Christians who have different opinions about some things. Different standards. Let's use the word standards because that's a, that's, a, that's a favorite word of a lot of Christians. Bless God, I have standards. Okay. And, and some people had higher standards, if you want to use that way, uh, or, or more rules than the other person. And the one with the higher standards thought he was more spiritual than the one who didn't have as high standards as he had. In other words, he thought the more rules he followed, the more spiritual he was. And it is ironic to me that Paul called him the weak one. Some of y'all pick up on that, but uh, watch what it says. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful dispensations. Don't argue about it. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. In other words, some people believe it's not right. It's, everybody should be a vegetarian. Obviously, I don't believe that. Say amen. But there are some that do. 
I talked with a guy that, 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 that he said, he said in the beginning, Adam, Adam was a herbivore. He was a vegetarian. So I think we all should be that. I said, you go right ahead. Amen. Forward to it. But that, in his mind, that's what he believed. He believed that that was the way it was supposed to be. Now, here's what happens, is we have a tussle now. One's, one's believing this, and one's believing that. And, and, and we have, it, it began to cause confusion, began to cause an argument. Watch what, watch what Paul says. Verse 3, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him that which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Now here's a biggie, here's a biggie, we got to get this. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now here's a really important verse that every Christian should memorize. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Y'all with me? What does that mean? That means this. A mind changed against his will is of the same opinion still. You have to be fully persuaded in your own mind by the Holy Spirit for whatever belief you have. But we've got to understand, we're not always going to have the identical same belief. So, you say, why are you saying that? That, that means we don't have to be separating fellowship because we don't believe 100% the same thing. Now, I would be run out of a lot of churches today for saying that. Oh, you're ecumenical. You're ecumenical. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But some of y'all are going to be real surprised that there's going to be some Methodists in heaven. I tell you this. Some of y'all are going to be they're surprised that there's going to be some Baptists not in heaven. Now, I'm a Baptist for a reason. I have, I have my convictions. And I, 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 believe, I believe the fundamentals of the faith. There, there are certain things. We had time. We'll sit down and, and, and go through them. And, and, and that's all fine and dandy. But my point is this. Don't break fellowship over things that's not worth breaking fellowship over. Don't get in arguments with people because they don't believe exactly like you do. Because they have to be persuaded in their own mind. The Holy Spirit has to do the job for them. You can't. And if we're going to get along, if we're going to make it, we've got to keep Jesus first. Keep him center. Not your style of music. Not whether you think, whether you think it's okay for, for ladies to wear pants or not. not. Not whether a man should wear a tie or not. Kind of ironic that I got one on tonight, but uh, it, wasn't on, it wasn't because I was teaching this. It was just what was going on today. But the point is, there are people, there are people who would have walked in this building, and, and if I didn't have a tie on, they would have thought that was heresy and would have walked out. It's so foolish. Here, here's what's foolish. Not necessarily that he thinks I ought to have a tie on. That's not what's foolish. 
What's foolish is, is he can't overlook that. He can't overlook that to receive something from God's word. That's what's foolish. And that's why we have so many different splintered up churches who are fussing and fighting. And let me tell you the main reason that is, is because Jesus is not in the right spot. Because they have put their preferences, priority, over the Lord Jesus Christ. And they forget, they forget, if that person is blood-bought, born again, they they part of you. You, (laughs) Number four, number three, number three. Let Let me move along, let me move along. What do we do if they don't agree with us? Pray for them. Pray for them. I need to straighten them out. Now, I have no problem. I have no problem with sharing, okay, this is what I believe the Bible teaches about whatever. But I found this out. When you argue with people, you don't get anywhere. And that's a very bad thing because I like to argue. But you know what I found out? I found out by experience, it usually makes it worse. Makes it worse. Share share what you believe the Bible says. And, and don't share what you think. Share what you read the verse. Have verse for, for have verse for your for your belief. What if they don't believe it? That's up to them. What do I do about it? Pray for them and love them. Period. Why should I do that? Because they're your family. You can't kick them out. So what do we do with family members that we can't agree with? We just love them. Don't. Come on, y'all got to agree, don't you? No wonder we got so many problems, amen? Let's love them. Now, number three, number three. What was number one? Tell me. He, he says we are, number one, we are. All right, let's say it together. Number one, we are. Number two, we are. All right, number three, we are priests in the same temple. This is going to be good right here, ladies and gentlemen. He uses the word priesthood twice in this chapter. He talks about, he talks about a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. Watch what he says in verse 5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal, what's that word? Priest. And holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, a priesthood. A priesthood. Uh, the priesthood was God's representatives, if you will. It was God's representative to man, and it was man's representative to God. In other words, if God needed to tell the people something, he would do it through the priest. If, if man needed to tell God something, he would do it through the priest. He would go through the priesthood. They were, they were God's representative to man, all right? Uh, uh, now, 
with that being said, it was God's original design and original purpose for the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Turn with me to the book of Exodus. Turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 19. The nation of Israel has come out of Egypt. God is meeting with them. This is the Mount Sinai experience. He is, he is, he is wanting to tell, uh, tell them his plans, if you will. Now, you've got to understand, uh, uh, most of these people have no idea who God is. Uh, and, and they have experienced God. They know uh, uh, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, but this is really uh, some of their first experiences with God. Now, what, watch what he tells them. In Exodus 19, verse number 6, he says, this is my plan for you. Uh, 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 he, first, in verse number 4, you find he tells them what he did for them. And now watch what he says in verse 6. And ye, talking about the nation of Israel, ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So, here we have all of mankind, all of these nations all over the world, all of these people groups all over the world, and God chose out a people. We'll look at that word choosing here in a minute. God chose out a people, and the purpose of those people was not just so they could say, hey, we're God's people. We are, we are the people of God. Uh, 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 listen, we're God's favorite. We're the apple of God's eye. They, it was not so they could go around bragging about the favor of God in their life and the touch of God in their life and the presence of God in their life. They were supposed to be representatives to the rest of the world of who God is. They were to display the glory of God. They were to display the splendor of God. They were to display all of the majesty of God. They were God's representatives. And we know that they failed. We know that they, 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 they cheated on God, if you will. Uh, they went out and, and with these other false gods and these other uh, 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 cults and everything you can imagine. And they didn't, listen, they didn't live up to their job. Now, God has called the church to be what the nation of Israel should have been in the beginning. We are representatives of God. You are ambassadors. We find that word in Scripture. You are ambassadors. You are a representative. Listen, you are to display the glory of God. Do you realize everything in your life is to bring God glory? Everything. Think about this a minute. God says everybody's got an appointment. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. God has an allotted time for everybody. Some, it's a few months. Some, it's a few years. Some, it's a, it's a long period of time. Uh, everybody experiences life in different ways. Some people find sickness. Some people uh, find uh, uh, great feats of accomplishment. There's, there's many different people that God uses to bring him glory. And he does it in different ways. That's so confusing to us as human beings because we think everybody's supposed to live 70 to 80 years with a long, fruitful life. In our mind, what fruitful is, and that's the way everything's supposed to be. So that when life gets cut off short to somebody, we get freaked out and we get wigged out on God and get angry at him when really there have been people who have lived seven years and brought more glory to God than somebody's lived 70 years. 
And we're here to bring God glory. We're here to display the majesty of God and the splendor of God and the glory of God. And we're supposed to be representatives to all of the world of the goodness of God. And when, it mean, when we say glorify God, all that means is make God look good. Make God look good. When we go out into this world, we're to make God look good. We're his priests. We're his representatives. We're supposed to make him look good when we face tragedy. We're supposed to make him look good when we go through the valley. We're supposed to make him look good when we have successes and accomplishments in our life. We're supposed to make, but listen, when the world sees the church and the Christian, they should say, wow, what a God. I heard, I heard a preacher say this one time. It just, man, it just rang in my soul. And I thought, man, this is great. We need to get this. He said, it is not what the community sees you do for God. It's what the community sees God do for you. Now think about that a minute. And we're talking about the church. It's one thing for the people in this community, the lost people in this community, to see this church doing stuff for God. But it's a whole nother thing when this church sees God do something for this church. Because it takes, it takes all the glory and takes off of us and puts it on him. Because they'll, they'll, they'll quit saying, look what that church is doing. To look what God is doing. We're representatives. What did the priest do? It was his responsibility to offer sacrifices. We don't have to go into this. Y'all know this. He would bring sacrifices. He would take the lamb or the goats or whatever the sacrifice was, and he would bring the sacrifice and offer it to God. We know once a year on the, on, on the, on the Day of Atonement that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies in the glory. Now, let me say that. Let me, let me describe that a minute because some of y'all might not be familiar with the, the, the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, when they came out of Egypt, uh, God, God designed a church building, if you will, uh, that they would put up, and that's where they would come and meet with God. There was an outer court. There was an inner sanctuary called the holy place. And in the holy place, uh, and by the way, uh, only the priests could go in this place. They're the only ones that had this privilege. And that means something here in just a minute. They'd come into the holy place, this, this sanctuary, this room, and, and there would be the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and, and the golden candlestick. And, 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 and the golden candlestick was to burn continuously. The people were to bring olive oil uh, uh, all the time. And that, that candlestick was to burn continuously. There was no outside light or natural light allowed inside the sanctuary. It had to come. The light had to come from the, from the candlestick, which represented the presence and the spirit of God. If you remember, if you remember in Revelation when, when God had an issue with the church of Ephesus, he said, remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place lest thou repent. What he's saying, I'm going to come and take the presence of the Holy Spirit out. And, and, and that's, it's, that's vitally important. Do you realize some churches would just go right on? They wouldn't have no idea that the Holy Spirit was gone. But it represented the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, one day... One day out of the year on the Day of Atonement, uh, the, the high priest, the high priest would take the blood and he would go in and, and he would put incense on, on, the, uh, on the altar of incense and fill that room with the cloud. And, and, and he would go into the, uh, the, the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the mercy seat was, where the glory was, where the presence of God was. 
Are y'all with me? One time a year, the high priest, only the high priest could go in and get in the glory. He was the only one who had the privilege to be in the very Shekinah glory of God. He was there in the presence of God, and he would be the representative to God of the people. But do you realize when Jesus died on the cross, there was a veil separating. There was a veil that was not, hey, listen, it wasn't necessarily keeping God in. It was keeping man out. There was a veil separating man from God. And the only one who had the privilege of going in the glory and going in the presence of God was the high priest, and that was only once a year. But the Bible said when Jesus died on the cross, when he gave up the ghost and said, it is finished, that the veil ripped from the top to the bottom. And I believe that was so you could see it was not ripped from the bottom to the top because it wasn't man that done it. It was God that done it. And when that veil was ripped from the top to the bottom, it wasn't so he could get out, but so we could go in. And we have the privilege. Yes, sir. We have the privilege to go into the glory. We have the privilege to go in the presence of God because now you are a priest. Now you are a royal representative of the king. You don't have to come to me to pray for you. You don't have to go to your brother to pray for you. You can go right into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. Let me say this before I get carried away. Uh, that don't mean you don't need to get people to pray for you. I want everybody praying for me that I can. God knows I need it. Brother, brother, brother Sam, I was praying for you today. And when people are interceding for each other, that's not what I meant. What I mean is you have the ability all by yourself to go into the same presence of God that any preacher under any pulpit in America has the ability to. You're priests. You, you offer sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Do we, do we got to kill a goat? Thank God, no. Thank the Lord, no. Amen. Well, what kind of, what kind of uh, uh, sacrifices do we, do we offer? Uh, <clears throat> uh, according to Romans 12, do you realize that, that you can offer your body as a living sacrifice? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may uh, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does that mean? Until we surrender our life, until we surrender. See, your body is neutral. Your body is neutral. It's just like money. You can buy medicine with money or you can buy drugs with money. Y'all with me? Your body is neutral. You can do evil with it or you can do good with it. You can gently cradle somebody who is broken or you can pulverize them. It's neutral. What God is saying is he wants you to surrender your body to the Lord Jesus Christ for God to use it for good. God wants to control. God wants to use you for his glory. God wants you to, he wants to use you as a vessel unto honor. Are y'all with me? And we offer, offer sacrifices when we surrender our life, our physical body to do good for the king. If y'all with me, say amen. Then not only our, our physical body, but the praise of our lips. Hebrews 13, 15. It says this. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. 
That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise. Can I get a little deep tonight just for a second? Let's take the floaties off for just a minute. Sacrifice is painful. Or it's not sacrifice. The people who were giving in the temple out of their wealth was not impressive to Jesus. But that, that little widow, she didn't give much at all. But she was very impressive to the Lord. And she gave all that she had. She sacrificed. Sacrifice hurts. Sometimes there's some there's some folks that go to our church that's a little different. And and they 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 praise a little different and they worship a little different. They sing a little different. They express their appreciation to God a little different. And it, it, it would be very easy to criticize their expression of worship. Uh, but if you only knew what their praise cost them. I, I listened to a message by Dr. David Gibbs. He said, I, I walked into a church, I walked into a church, and he said, I sat down on the front row. And he said, and you got to understand, Dr. David Gibbs is a large individual. Y'all with me? He's not a tiny guy. He's a right good-sized fellow. And, and he said, this, this little, this little uh, 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 black lady about this big, she came walling, walling around the, 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 the aisle there and came and sat beside him and looked up at him. And said, you preaching white boy? God, I'm not exaggerating. This is that his word for word what he said. Can you get it? Can you get it done, white boy? He said, you going to preach? He said, he said, before I realized, I said, white boy going to preach. Amen. <laughs> she told him, she told him. Now, when we, when we begin worship, you got to give me my room. And when worship began, it was as if this woman was in her own world. He talked to the pastor after church. And he said, I, I see you have met sister so-and-so. He said, let me tell you their story. Her sons were standing on the street. And if I remember right, either waiting for the school bus or, or waiting, waiting on the bus. And, and, and it, it may be her husband too. I'm trying to remember this story right. But there was a, a, a gang-related shooting. And, and, and they were shot so many times it almost cut them in half. 
and basically her whole family in an instant of time gone. And she knew that God was her only strength. And she worshipped and praised like nobody because she needed God to get her through what she was going through. Now what was she doing? She was offering the sacrifice of praise. It's easy to praise God when you got a raise at work. But it's hard to praise Him when you get that phone call. And before you get a little judgmental about the sacrifice of somebody praying, you might want to check up to see what that praise cost them. Because sometimes things irritate me a little bit because it's not really the way I would do it. But then when I learn what that person went through and what their praise cost them, I promise you this, everybody didn't Get raised up in a family like some of us. But we are to offer the sacrifice of praise. A praise to God for a raise that works not real impressive to the Lord. But when you stand like Job and say, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's pretty impressive. Sacrifice of praise. We offer our bodies to God and say, God, use me for your glory. I'm a priest. I want to offer this sacrifice. When you come to church, God, I praise you. I glorify you for my life. I know things are not the way I want it, but I praise you anyway. I know it's not how I would have designed it, but I praise you anyway. I know, I, I, I just want to, are, are y'all with me? I'm done. I, I don't want to do no more. Listen. Whether you know it or not, or whether you believe it or not, the only God that the people out here are going to see is what they see in you. Now, 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 look at me a minute before you get all folded up and close your mind up with your notes. Let's, let's, let's make God look good. In everything. In everything. I'm so, I'm so afraid to talk like this because I'm afraid of what it's going to cost me. But we need to glorify Him. We need to lift Him up. Because regardless of what we face or go through, he's worthy. He's worthy. Uh, we'll finish next week. What do y'all think? That works?
Let's stand. Let's stand. Yeah. Hey, hey, look here. Uh, uh, let's let's do this. Let's do. It. How many of y'all love Jesus? How many of y'all know He wants you to love others? Here's what I need y'all to do. I need y'all to to uplift the Tucker family, the uh, the Mac Reese family, uh, the Fail family. Fail family. Who am, who am I missing? Sam. Who's, is anybody else that? Let's 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 really really lift these families up in prayer. Uh, God knows all about it and everything that goes on with that. Uh, and and honestly, I've I've seen. I've seen God so real. It's just been un, just unbelievable. Let's remember. Uh, let's remember the families down in Birmingham. Uh, that's just gotten. And I guess Atlanta too. I think there there was some some deaths in Atlanta too. And through all of this stuff, uh, let's just let's just praise the Lord, Amen. And pray for each other, and uh, pray for the days ahead, uh, uh, and pray that God will. Uh, God will be with us. Kind of excited about what God's going to do Sunday. Ain't no telling what he's going to do. Ain't no telling. But he's up to something. Amen. He's up to something. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your kindness, and oh, your love. Thank you for your love and and and, and the opportunity to feel it. Uh Love's not not worth much unless you can feel it. Lord, I I I I, I like it when when I, I I'm told that I'm loved, but I love it when I feel love. And I'm I'm glad that 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 we have the ability to to feel love by your presence and your touch. God bless these families. God bless Lord. I really, I really feel that you're going to get glory out of this. I, I, I really feel that there's going to be people saved, saved. I'm brought to you through a dark time, and I pray more than anything. I pray for spiritual healing. I pray for all of those that don't know you, first and foremost, that they would trust you and be saved. I pray that you'll be with the broken hearts and those that are uh, in, in a desperate need of your grace. Lord, I pray for all those that are traveling and all of the craziness that's going on in Atlanta and Birmingham and other places. Uh, Lord, I pray that your will be done. Lord, I, I, I prayed with a gentleman before church with a test going on tomorrow. I want to ask you again to let that be what we're asking it to be. I pray that it be negative. Lord, I pray your will be done. Lord, I pray for all those in here that's got prayer requests. I'm sure we can line them up and just write them all down. Lord, everybody in here has got a need, got a got an issue, got something uh, they need you to help them with. And and God, I'm 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 well aware that you're able to meet every one of them. And I pray that you'll go home with them. I pray that everyone will will just feel feel your love tonight. I pray that they'll be glad they showed up. I pray your will be done. The Lord. I really, really want an awesome service Sunday. In all three, in all three, I pray that there will be a manifestation of your presence like we haven't had in a long time. If y'all want that, say amen.
Lord, we ask you to please. You heard all your children. They all agree. We want to be in unity and, and ask you together in one mind and one accord to show yourself real this Sunday in the worship, in the singing, Lord, in the preaching, in the prayers, in everything. Have your will and way. God will glorify your name for you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. You're just worthy. And we love you tonight. In Jesus' holy name, we all pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Good night, everybody. Be safe.